Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Hey, Boneheads, Future Sophie here. I'm just popping in to let you know the score. We were supposed to have this episode out last week, but Audacity ate it up like a yummy, yummy snack. So this is our Zoom recording, so please forgive any blips and bloops, but I wanted you guys to hear this episode because it's just such a banger. But I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you at the Bone Voyage. Now, make those weird mouth sounds. Everyone, make your puffs and your weird mouth sounds. (laughs) I wish I could tongue pop, just, but I can't. (laughs) Nope. I I can't do the, can you do the lip thing? Oh. Oh, that's pretty good. Our pop filters would probably prevent us from... Whatever. Yeah, this is all a waste of fucking time. All right, here we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In olden days, a glimpse of femur was only for morbid dreamers, but you're not alone. Bring anything wrong. Two goofy gals with deathly interest go on a skeleton inquest in your headphones. Anything Hello and welcome to Anything Bones. I'm Sophie Runes Schwartz. And I am Caitlin. I didn't prepare for this heart. (laughs) Does that relate to your case or is that uh, specific to that moment? That was pure terror on on air. (laughs) That could be the tagline for our podcast. Pure terror on air. Yeah, uh, moving right along. We've got a wonderful, amazing guest on the podcast today. I met him at my first job out of college in Seattle. This is Randall. He will never solve the Jean Benet Ramsey case, but he will fuck your dad, Alan. Hi. <laughs> Woo! Woo! I want all of your hot dad people to like send me nudes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I've heard we're very big in the dad community. I mean, I'm here. (laughs) True, true. (laughs) Well, it's so nice to have you on. I just found out yesterday that you've been listening to the podcast like from the beginning. I know I'm a creeper. (laughs) In a good way. In a good way. It's like I listen to podcasts whenever I work on my house or like do mundane shit. So it's this one and a couple other creepy ones and then some weird Bravo shit because I love the housewives. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm honored. (laughs) I mean, I think that's a good balance. You know, you have some like dark, you know, crime or spooky stuff and then you balance it out with some light drama. Light drama. I love to watch rich white women just fucking yell at each other. It's like I'm at work. So it, it, it does. I do hair. So, you yes. know, I get to hear yes. all the drama. <laughs> but I'm, I bet there's less wine throwing in the salon, though. <laughs> there's less wine throwing, but someday in the future, I'll have to tell you my crazy hairdresser stories because damn. <laughs> oh, my God. You've definitely got me hooked on that one. <laughs> that could be its own podcast. Uh, I mean, but then my clients would leave me because they'd be like, this motherfucker is talking about what happened to me, my ex-boyfriend and his stepbrother. So, whoa. Whoa. Well, that one would require a lot of bleeping, I feel like. (laughs) Basically, don't go on a girl's trip and leave your boyfriend and his stepbrother home alone. And then the pass is closed. So you have to come home and then you find your boyfriend with his stepbrother in um, Balls Deep. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my lord. That Look sounds at the, like a porno. Um, it's the worst fanfic that I did not want to hear about when I was cutting somebody's hair. <laughs> oh my god. Like, yeah, what do you I say mean... to that? I'm just like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. But I had met these guys and they were <gasps> hot as fuck. So like, I'm going to hell. <laughs> well, so you're, you're like, just, okay, okay, I see it. <laughs> yeah, you're trimming the bangs like, not surprised. <laughs> like, no, I did not see it coming. Okay, I mean, oh. they did. <laughs> no, no. We've oh. derailed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this is not uh, bone related at all, but I, I mean, it was, it. It, oh, was <laughs> bone related. it was bone related. Yes, yes. <laughs> Wait, I'm on anything bone. So I have one real TED Talk question. Yeah, oh, go God. for it. Why is it called a boner? Oh, huh. now that is an interesting question because the penis don't have a bone. No bone. No bone. But it um, gets like long and hard like a bone. I would I would assume that <laughs> one, one moment I'm just going to where does the term boner, boner. <laughs> from if my Google search Shit was fucked up before. Girl, my Solana had to Google and ask her weird questions all day. So the NSA is just like, what is this man on? <laughs> okay. So this is kind of the first result from etymology online. Um, and it says boner or bunter, 1912 nope. baseball slang, probably from bonehead. And then as uh, referring to erect penis is from the 1950s, and it is related to the term hard on referring to the hardness, a.k.a. like a bone. So mm. it so I think we parceled it out. Sometimes sayings are more complicated than you think they are. And sometimes they're straightforward. <laughs> Yeah, or or not straightforward, but curving slightly to the left. <laughs> or right. <laughs> Either direction is cool. Everybody, it's been great. They're never going to have me back. Have <laughs> I mean, we're really... five-minute podcast. Good night, everyone. <laughs> well, Bye. you know, we earn our explicit tag on this podcast. <laughs> we earn it. We're really thankful to have you on, though. Thank you. Um, boners and all. <laughs> Anything boners. <laughs> yes. Anything votes after dark. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's our after dark show, and you can be a permanent host of that. Oh, I am a permanent host of my own after dark show. It's called REM Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, moving right. right along. Sophie. <laughs> yes. Uh, I want to know something about bones, and I need you to tell me right now. All right. Well, when I was looking for something for today's a podcast... I was thinking about bones, I was thinking about hairdressing, and I was thinking about bone combs. Ooh. Combs made of bone. Nice. And uh, I'll give you my sources really quickly. It's one from National Geographic and one from CNN. This is just going to be a quick little bone appetizer for the rest oh. of the show. Bone appetite. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but this is about a comb that was found in a Danish archaeological site. Ooh. So Danish archaeologist Soren Sidbeck and his team from Aarhus University unearthed a Viking town called Ribe in Denmark. Ribe. And 
Ribe. It's the oldest town in Scandinavia and the first known Viking settlement. Ooh. Oh, Ooh-hoo. scary people there. Yeah, definitely. But when they were excavating, they found a comb that was 1,200 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they also found a couple of other artifacts. They found a little like bone plate as well. So you can um, literally eat off of the bones of your enemies. <laughs> well, I hope that's what it was for. But they actually think it was like something that would be attached to a box or coffin for like ceremonial purposes. Okay, okay. So it was not so much a munching plate as a praying plate. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I wonder what part of the skeleton it was to to become a plate. Like I would, I would think... You know, a bowl would be easier because you've got a skull. Maybe like a shoulder blade or like part yeah. of the pelvis. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's almost just like a little fragment that has some runes on it. And they found a couple of other interesting artifacts there, such as like a simple like ironing tool and then a skull that had an inscription on it to summon the god Odin. Oh, what's up, Odin? Ow. <laughs> I'm getting my skull out, make a quick text. Right. <laughs> you hey, up. Hey, Odin. <laughs> you up. Crops real bad this year. You think you could do something about it for me? Your boy. Just, I'll, I'll, let, me, let me send you a DP on my skull phone. <laughs> Odin is very busy. I'm not sure if he'll, he'll oh, leave okay. you on red, probably. Probably. Forever. <laughs> forever. So the skull is really interesting, and I would love to know more about it, but the skull is not really the centerpiece of this excavation. It's not the most important find. It's the comb. And I mean, those those Viking beards, right? Yeah, they had to be pristine. But the thing about the comb is that on one side, it has inscribed... The, what do you think the comb has inscribed on it? If you death. had to guess. All right, death. Caitlin says death. What do you um, think? Send nudes. I don't know. <laughs> well, it says comb. <laughs> oh, it's it's too easy. I thought I thought maybe oh you would God. guess it out of out of a joke. It's like Ray Dunn. Yes, <laughs> this is Viking Ray Dunn. Cookies. Yeah. Grandma's ashes. <laughs> Axe. Axe. Yeah. Oh, what makes comb. a house a home? Yeah, comb. But. On the other side, it has like a similar phrase, like to comb, like the verb form. And this is kind of odd just because, you know, I don't know. I look at my comb. It does not say comb on it. So why? Why is this like this? <laughs> and why is this comb important? And why is the fact that it says comb important? For that, we have to go back to the Viking Age. So that would be around the 8th century. So at the beginning of the Viking Age, which is, around, which is just before 800 CE, the language of their region had been evolving for a couple of hundred years. And then all of a sudden, the alphabet changed and everything became much more uniform. And this uniformity of runes was to match the way that people were speaking at the time. And they turned into these tall vertical type of runes like we would see today. And they were easier to carve into stone and wood and bone. Ooh. 
Ooh. Previously, the Vikings had used a much more complicated alphabet that had like 24 characters, and it was known as the food car. Come uh, through food car. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to the stage food car. Yes, that's my drag name. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is Miss Chickasha, only it really is. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> But so they they cut our wonderful uh, futar down to just 16 runes in the 8th century. And then this simplified script kind of spread all over the Viking world and then was used for hundreds of years after that. So the importance of this is that this new Viking language allowed them to unify speech all over their region and make trade a lot easier. Now, this comb is one of the most earliest examples of this type of new runes. So they're like, ah, shit, here it is. We can find it earlier and earlier. So we're able to pinpoint when this language changed, which is pretty cool. That's crazy. They raided yeah. that shit. They did. And they're like, we don't know. Um, our guy Soren, who was digging up the comb, was like, we have no idea why the language changed this way. But because it changed so uniformly, we think it was like a specific person or entity. And every time we find more examples of this, we kind of get closer to figuring out why it changed so suddenly. As for why the comb says comb and not like somebody's name or like, you know, hail Odin, please maketh my my dick bigger. Um, <laughs> Make my hair long and luscious, Odin. <laughs> Odin, please, yes. Uh, Soren has a couple of theories. He has two main theories. One was that it was a kind of like redundancy and like a practicing of this alphabet so that like, you know, we're trying to get this new way of writing going. We're going to put it on everything that we can. So people just see it and start using it. They're like, oh, this is how we're doing it now. Okay. And then the second one was like teaching children and other people how to read. So like, they're like, oh, this is a comb. This must be how you spell comb. You know, it was Viking hooked on phonics. Basically, yes. The young listeners are going to be like, what's up on phonics? <laughs> Kids, you don't need to know. It's okay. Mm -mm. They're, They're like, just... what's a cassette tape? How do I open this box? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I've been training in my job and the save button on one of our programs is a floppy disk. And I've been training like some younger people. And I was like, and then you just click the floppy disk and they're like, what? My daughter's at the age where I'm like bringing out stuff from whenever I was a teenager and she just does not understand. <laughs> like she's nine and she's like, huh? And I'm like, never mind, baby. It was yeah. a dark time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they're going to unearth Walkmans in a thousand years and be oh like, God. now what is this ancient? Uh, was this used for prayer? <laughs> yes, yes, because baby Randall would put on his his ceremonial Walkman and put in his soundtrack to Spice World and strap yes. on the ceremonial rollerblades yes. and rollerblade up and down the only paved road by his house. Oh. There were no signs that baby Randall was a homosexual. 
Well, that sounds like a lovely ritual for baby Randall. Girl, I was Nancy fucking Kerrigan and there was no Tanya Harding, okay? Nobody was busting <laughs> my bones with the pipe. Nuh-uh. Truckers were just driving by shaking their heads like, damn. <laughs> I wish I could move like that. Yeah. <laughs> so just to sum up the very last part of this little uh, comb find is that, you know, artifacts like this kind of move to support the fact that like in the Viking age, they had a very high level of literacy. So mm. we think that techniques like this of just like, you know, the Viking hooked on phonics, because there's been other finds of things where it's like a knife and it says knife on it. And people are like, that's hilarious. But like, we think it's also just like, you know, it upped the prevalence of being able to read in Vikings, Can which is kind imagine? of... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's a little counter to like, what people think of vikings you know as like it's like oh they all can read okay <laughs> uh, we, we just know about the raping and the pillaging and the yeah. colonizing no <laughs> but they can, can you, also read right can you imagine that's how they did it <laughs> can you imagine future archaeologists finding shit from our era like i'm just looking around this room and i'm like yeah they're gonna be like what the fuck does this candle mean because i have a candle that says high af <laughs> What and is this AF? What is yeah. AF? Or they're going to be, or they're going to find Ray Dunn knockoffs and they're going to be like, this jar says bussy. <laughs> <laughs> now, how do we read bussy in this context? <laughs> um, we have to turn to the archive of the Tiki Talkie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, the Urban Dictionary will become a Rosetta Stone type. Oh, I my mean, God. <laughs> if they can preserve the internet, they'll know what everything is. But, Bro. you know. But they uh, won't know who killed John Bonet. <laughs> no one <laughs> that's will. That's true. That's true. Oh, I do have one more silly thing about this story is, you know, that bone plate that we were talking about uh-huh. it, and the little inscription that it had on it. It's only a fragment, but they think that it is the name of a Viking. <laughs> and you know what this Viking's name was? What? It's Toby. <laughs> T-O-B-I. Toby. <laughs> I just like, I would be so embarrassed if a guy named Toby burnt down my village. <laughs> fucking Toby. God damn it. Fucking Toby. Came through hey. with his big fucking axe. Get out of here, Toby. Unless he looks like Toby McGuire and then burn my village, bitch. <laughs> oh no, my village is so complete. I wish someone would like, I don't know, burn it down. <laughs> oh, oh, here comes Toby. Somebody go oh, get here Randall. Comes Toby, yeah. Randall, Toby's come to burn the village down. Can you tell him to just do your house, please? Yes, burn my bush, bitch. <laughs> what is wrong with me? <laughs> burn the- my bush, bitch. <laughs> this is the horniest episode of anything, Bones. By I'm far. sorry. The day started with like my husband and I being romantic, and then my cat ruined it. So. <laughs> His name and is here Charcoal. We are. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry for the crimes of Charcoal. <laughs> Girl, let me just say, gentlemen out there, don't move hands around under the covers if your cat snuck into the room because you will get racked. <laughs> <laughs> they think it's a toy. It's not. It is a toy, but it's not for him. <laughs> not a cat toy. Oh, well, oh my God. Speaking of cats. Can I update the listeners on my... Yes, please. I'm done with my story. That was it. I was ending on Toby. Come through, Toby. 
<laughs> no, Toby, stay away. <laughs> stay away, Toby. <laughs> Two days ago, I, Caitlin Hart, got a cat named Minnie. And she's so fucking cute. I've met her. She's so small. She truly is very mini. She I, is I, teeny tiny. She looks like she like is a white cat that like went through apricot preserves. She's so <laughs> yes. cute. Yeah, she yes. strolled around in the marmalade. <laughs> she was like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She's uh, so she's like white and orange, uh, eleven months, and she's six pounds. Oh, she's so small and tiny. Yeah, she's my baby, and she did just like really find her voice today. And I went in. She's in the bathroom because that's how you start out new cats in it, like in a new place. You keep them in the bathroom for a little bit and she just got spayed. So she needs to chill. But I went in there around two in the afternoon and she was like, bitch, I'm hungry. And <laughs> like, <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm getting you a scoop of wet food because you are so small. I, I need to fatten you up a little bit. I yes. don't understand how she had kittens and she only weighs six pounds like i know it's crazy she's my little street cat and i'm gonna just love the shit out of her yeah street cats are the best all my cats mm-hmm. are well all my cats are street cats except for charcoal he was um mm-hmm. a rescue but street cats are the best yes uh yeah i assume she's a street cat because she came to the humane society pregnant so <laughs> As a tiny baby, she again. She's only eleven months old. Um, I have so, uh, Caitlin, your shirt, mine, your own uterus. Yeah. <laughs> and talking about cats, so when we rescued our cat Tinkerbell, we took her in to get spayed. Um, she was abandoned behind our house as a kitten, but um, mm-hmm. we couldn't. You, she got spayed, but she also had another procedure done. Oh boy, kitty abortion. Oh my. Yeah, and I'm just yep. like, you know what? That was her right to choose, bitches. Oh, of it course was. it was. <laughs> Little Minnie is so, like, happy. Like, apparently, you said that she was, like, really anxious and stuff, like, when she was at the, the Humane Society. Yeah, the shelter. Yeah, all um, the reports say she had to be on anxiety medicine. And aw. I was like, bitch, same. Right? <laughs> Yeah, and all the notes said she was really shy and, like, would need somebody to be really patient with her. So I have been patient, but there's not really a need because she's really happy to be here. She liked Sophie. She's liked the other person I brought in here. So it's like, everything's going well so far. She's already running that shit. She's like, yeah, this is my house. I'm in charge. I weigh six pounds. Get the fuck out of my way. Where's my bone comb? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to see her. you know, batting at all your macabre knickknacks oh, in yes. your home. <laughs> yeah, I've already started cat proofing, getting some of the like glass stuff high up. But, you know, if she breaks it, she buys it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the cat with her own money will buy you a new whatever. <laughs> all right. Okay, that's my news. So now I will tell you about a creepy story. Full disclosure, everybody. Randall picked my topic for me. Hi. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and even like helped me with the research. Like you sent me a bunch of articles that were really helpful. And uh, two episodes from the Parasite podcast. I ended up listening to those today and they were really good. Their voices are so relaxing. Oh, my God. <laughs> they're talking about the yeah. most morbid shit and they're just like, oh, fascinating. Nice. Yeah. Okay. It was really chill. I just was sitting in the bathroom with Minnie. Uh, in the bathtub. 
Yeah, in the bathtub, <laughs> listening to this just so soothing <laughs> story of horrific child abuse. But the voices are good in Parasite Podcast. So that was episode eight, part one and part two. Uh, I'll put links to all this stuff in the show notes. Uh, there was also an episode, Jesus, article from CBS News, LA Times, and then the Oklahoman. The Daily Oklahoman. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> this is no monthly Oklahoman. They are putting this out daily. I haven't lived there for 17 years, so full disclosure, I don't know what the hell that paper's called anymore, but they had a gay paper called the Gaily Oklahoman that you could get when you went to the club and it was lit. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to see what kind of journalism is going on in in that paper. Mm, A lot of, um, it's a lot like The Stranger Meets Craigslist. Fun. Love. I love that. (laughs) So... Randall and I picked this story because he actually has a connection to this case, Mm -hmm. uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So I'll get into it. Uh, There is a big fat trigger warning here for child abuse and sexual abuse. So this may not be the story for you if you don't want to hear about that. I'm going to try and be as delicate as I can because it is fucked up. So I'm going to tell you the story of Herman and Drewy Dutton and the murder of Lonnie Dutton. So Lonnie, at the time of his murder, he was a 39-year-old unemployed oil field worker who liked to just use his gun at random uh, and just, like, shoot anybody that came onto his property. Everywhere. (laughs) Wow. Like, his property is riddled with bullet holes. And neighbors said that they, like, neighbors right next door would, like, find bullets in their yard like have to dodge bullets just like just not that's a good insane person. yeah the that's trailer the that worst he, neighbor ever yeah the trailer that he lived in and his family was just covered in bullet holes oh goodness gracious i think on the podcast there was a a story about how uh grandpa who is also a part of the story his name's luther grandpa actually owned the property that this trailer was on but he would like to go when he was walking to the trailer, he would be like, Okay, Papa's coming, like Papa's on his way, like shouting the whole walk over so that Lonnie wouldn't just shoot him. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would fucking do. I would have a large neon orange flag that I wave above my head going, well, Please don't shoot me, I'm allowed to be here. And this is another reason why it it didn't get as investigated as it could have, because people were terrified. To go near this property. It's like, you will get shot. I mean, fair enough. Like, it sounds like, you know, if family members are having to shout their way through the property as to not be shot by their own, was it son? Yeah. And it's Luther, grandpa. It's his property. It is not Lonnie's property. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing in Oak where I grew up. You'll have one family that owns a lot of acreage and like the whole family will live on the property. Mm -hmm. Like because it's like you're a farmer or it's usually like agriculture related. So like my family like has all this land and there's different houses on the property. So it's something like that. And it's there's a lot of manufactured homes or trailers. Mm -hmm. So it's real easy. It's like, oh, granddad owns the property. I bought a trailer, you know. Hook it up yep. to the propane tank. Yeah. Don't shoot the propane tank. He did. Uh, Lonnie did shoot his own dad in the side once, apparently. Okay. Like the side of his body. He was oh, okay. Right. But fun fact, 
from the Parasite podcast, apparently there was a wreath of animal bones and catfish skulls on the door of the trailer. Oh, that's normal. That's See, normal. See, I was going to okay. say, uh, <laughs> what a tasteful door decoration. <laughs> um, no, it's like catfish heads, um, bones, a lot of antlers, a lot of trophies. Like okay. I have aunts and uncles that have all this stuff and I didn't realize it was abnormal until... I moved to Seattle and I was like, oh, my God, my family's redneck as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm glad that you can uh, corroborate that because I was like, what an interesting detail. And I'd never seen that before. And I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. So kind of makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to think about the amount of indigenous that live in Oklahoma and that um, they will use bone fragments and jewelry and and things like that. But I don't I haven't I don't believe that they were indigenous native american so i don't know i mean i have nothing against using bones and decoration as long as you get them you know uh there's a full-on raccoon corpse under my deck you can have it just coming down (laughs) i don't have a great place for it right now no i redid my deck and it's like (laughs) i found this skeleton when i was replacing deck boards and i'm like nope you're just getting covered back up nope yeah Mm -mm. this is where you rest forever this is where you rest raccoon that's what you get for coming (laughs) underneath my deck (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not disturbing a raccoon grave. I do not prefer to be haunted by a raccoon ghost. I feel like that would they would get up to a lot of mischief. It's okay, because the raccoon ghost ain't going to mess with me, because later I'm going to tell you guys about who protects my house. Anyway, mm-hmm. back to Caitlin's crazy <laughs> story. Yes. <laughs> so if you couldn't tell from what I've already told you, Lonnie was a total piece of shit, and he was also abusive towards his wife and children. There were allegations from the uh, the kid's mother, Marie Dutton, that he beat her, threw knives at her, and then made her sons throw darts at her. That's hideous. Mm-hmm. He also apparently made the boys steal for him, uh, like a lot of like bait and fishing supplies and stuff, it sounds like. And alcohol. Oh, yes, you're right. You're totally right. There were four children in the house total, two older boys, Herman and Drewy, and then the younger two, the sister is, uh, her nickname is Sissy, but I found some sources that say her real name is Alicia, and then there was another little boy, Charles. So Lonnie and Marie Dutton were married for a while, uh, and apparently the abuse started right away. They got divorced in 1989. And unfortunately, in a really ugly custody battle, Lonnie ended up getting full custody of all four children. That doesn't seem correct. No, uh, there were allegations against Marie that she was even worse than Lonnie. I don't want to repeat them because they're just disgusting. And who knows if they are true, because I feel like I wouldn't put it past Lonnie to make up shit about her. Mm hmm. But one way or the other, Lonnie and the kids were just living in this trailer on Grandpa's property. Grandpa Luther said, quote, uh, Lonnie's world shrunk down to those 20 acres, that trailer and those kids. He'd be drinking and piling on downers, then take out on the kids, but he couldn't take out on the wife. Herman took most of the heat. Awful. Mm -hmm. So Lonnie Dutton was horribly abusive towards his children, but he also instilled in them this one rule that if anybody messes with their sister, Sissy, 
that that person needs to be shot, like behind the ear or in the heart is what he specifically told them. All right. So fast forward to July 1993. Little sister Sissy tells her older brothers that dad has been messing with her. Most likely, I would say sexually, which is absolutely foul. And then the two boys, Herman and Drewy, Herman is 15 and Drewy is 12, together hold up the hunting rifle and kill their dad when he's napping in the trailer. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because he, he messed with their sister. I mean, he made, he's, he made the rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and like Caitlin said, she's not getting into it, but the amount of abuse is just horrific that these boys endured. And like Caitlin said, Herman took the brunt of it to like to protect his siblings. Yeah. I mean, it's a terrible situation. Like, it seems like there's no, like, you were talking about the custody battle. Like, it seems like there's no, like, there was no, like, way out for these children. Like, they were, you know, you said the world shrunk. It shrunk for those kids, too, I would bet. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, you live with a man that willy-nilly just throws, you know, I'm going to shoot up my own home. Like, yeah. they have to be afraid that at some point, what if he just decided to, use, like, play target practice with them? Exactly. I mean, it's it sounds like a, a horrible way to live. And like, I can totally see how this happened. Yep. Yeah. So after the murder, originally, the boys are charged with first degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. But a few months later, they end up pleading no contest. So in September 1993 to first degree manslaughter. And the district attorney agreed to drop the charges when Herman turned 18. So like three years later, as long as they stayed out of trouble, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And let me tell you the guilt that those communities felt because everyone knew this abuse was happening. And I can't even imagine. Well, it's like I can tell you from a recent experience that I've had where I as a hairdresser had been told a bunch of stories about somebody in the community that was incredibly abusive. And I reported that abuse and tried to hold the person accountable to the point where they villainized me. And then everybody's like, this is why we don't say anything because they got it. They get away with it. This man continued to get away with it. They felt powerless. And this is before there's no internet. This is 1993. And the rumor around town is like, he'll shoot you. So like if you, I mean, I remember blue ribbons everywhere because the communities wore these blue ribbons to say that like we stand with these boys we support them you cannot punish them for this this was their only way out and to this day i mean i was a kid when this happened i was like 10 to this day i'm still angry that these people did not take it as far as they could to tell about the abuse that everyone knew was happening it's so sad that it that that's what happened, but like, ain't nobody missing Lonnie. I can tell you that. No, it's it's very clear uh, from the research that nobody misses Lonnie at all. And part of the thing was that there were lots of complaints, but people didn't feel comfortable putting their name on it. So mm-hmm. there were a lot of anonymous complaints, and one way or the other, they weren't. Nothing was done. That's yeah. I can't imagine how like difficult that must have been for people who like wanted to report this but it's like you know you report it to the cops but maybe they're afraid to go because he'll shoot everyone and the other thing is these towns are incredibly small these communities are very small they're very close-knit everybody knows somebody knows somebody 
it's like okay that's that's billy's cousin that's that's this person's nephew like you know like i don't know how to explain oklahoma but it's very much mind your own business for sure yeah so and especially then so like people were minding their own business and if they weren't minding their own business they're like not sleeping at night because here comes crazy drunk high lonnie with his hunting rifles like exactly yeah yeah because it sounds like you couldn't put it past him not to like go after people for something like that Mm -hmm. i mean his own father is like walking up the street going papa's coming like (laughs) exactly that's so fucking wild So there's a quote I wanted to mention. It's from Alabama Supreme Court Associate Justice Mark Kennedy, and he's on the board of directors for the National Committee to Prevent Child Abuse. Quote, when a whole community is being scared by an adult male, you can only imagine the horror and fear of his children knowing the community had turned its backs on them. When it's so apparent that something is terribly wrong in the home, I don't see how the social service agents could have made the decision not to intervene based solely on the children's denial that anything was wrong because the children would make excuses for Mm -hmm. all the bruises and the things that were reported like at school and stuff, because that's their dad had instilled in them, you know, don't speak to anybody about this. So, yeah. And the point of like the kids knowing that like no one in this town was able to like help them. That's so scary. Mm hmm. So Grandpa Luther is an interesting character in this story to me. I don't know what how I feel about him exactly, because some sources say that he says he has no idea what was going on on his cough, bullshit, cough, Mm -hmm. bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. (laughs) Other sources say that he could hear the abuse from his home. So I don't really know what to believe about that. And I mean, just historically in my own research and like watching true crime media, this abuse comes from somewhere and it's often, you know, passed down from generation to generation by abusive parents. So well, in one of those things, didn't Luther make something say something to the effect of, oh, yeah, I used to beat on my wife, but I don't do it anymore. Yeah, there's some bad stuff in there. I I don't know how to feel about this yeah well i can give you some firsthand knowledge give it to me yes please so um i grew up in chickasha oklahoma this took place in rush springs oklahoma and the seat of the county is grady county that's where the sheriff's office is and my dad worked for the sheriff's office he was a deputy sometimes a bailiff in the courtroom so daddy would uh tell me things about the cases and stuff and all i will say is that uh Look to see who was granted custody and look to see who wasn't. And those boys and their their younger brother and younger sister did not go to Luther. And a lot of Oh, they people, did. The two they did? did. The two older boys, they did. Yeah. I thought that I thought that they had they didn't go there first. They went to um counseling and like a Yes. A, yes. You're so right about that. So I was just gonna get into that. So Okay, sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. So basically they were the Older boys were wards of the state mm-hmm. for a few years. Um, and Luther and his wife, I think her name was Nancy, they had to undergo therapy. The boys had to undergo therapy. So it was several years before they See, actually... I remember that. Like they had to go to counseling before they could mm-hmm. get the boys. I didn't exactly. know that they ultimately did go to the did go go there. They Where did, did the younger kids go? They went with aunts. Uh, okay. It says that the other children were adopted by their aunt Dina or Dinah, D-I-N-A. 
but there were two sisters to Lonnie, the the dead guy. There was okay. Dina and Linda. Did um, anyone ever ask them about Luther? They are not. I, it sounds like this when their brother died, it brought up a lot of past feelings and mm-hmm. So they, it sounds like the relationship in that family is pretty tense. One of my sources says that they get together at like birthday parties and at church, but that's about it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it's mostly just so that the kids can see each other is what Mm -hmm. it sounded like. Again, more weird stuff from Luther. This was in like 1999. I think the article that this came from was published. He said that he had not spoken to the boys about the shooting. Uh, What? And he he's like, what's done is done. That's a direct quote. But he's like, they they know they can confide in me if they want to. I don't think they, so. No. I don't know. They also kept the, the trailer. trailer on the property. They yeah. kept the trailer on the property. Yeah. And Ooh. Luther said, apparently, quote, it bothers me a little, but it doesn't bother the boys. I hate something you can't use. And the counselor says that if they want to use it as a clubhouse, let them use it. How old are they at this time? They don't want to have a fucking clubhouse. Like No, Herman's got to be 18 or 19 at this point. And then Drewy is three years younger than him. So this is 99 that mm-hmm. he said this and mm-hmm. the crime. Um, I, I'm not going to say crime. Um, <laughs> them taking care of business happened in 93. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he was 15 then. So there you go. Like he's a young man. Yeah. Also, like, I don't know. I would definitely like to hear from them if it bothers them, because I'm not sure if he has the best gauge of what bothers these children. No. Like. And then also let me say that these old Southern boys, like these old men, like, you don't show emotion. You're tough. You get over it. You're a farm boy. Walk it off. Like the time my dad shot me in the back, he's like, are you okay? He's like, walk. oh my God, that, how do I explain that? Um, my dad was a Wild West gunfight reenactor. He used blanks. One time I got shot with a blank in the back and my dad's like, you're fine, boy. Get up. Walk it off. Oh my God. <laughs> Sophie's face. <laughs> my Just daddy- very casually. You know, when my dad shot me in the back. Oh, did he? Yeah, well, my dad, so let me just say that my dad was the greatest man that ever lived. This man was born in 1931, adopted me at 52, and this man was so fucking affirming, loved my gay ass, bought me nail polish. I never got to come out. My daddy told me I was gay when I was 16. That's hilarious. He's like, listen up, son. (laughs) Yeah, no, literally, we're in the pickup truck, and I'm crying, and he's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know, dad, people are meeting me. He's like, that's because you're gay. Um, I told this story a lot, but um. So, like, this is the archetype you're fighting against. My dad was like, talk about your emotions, feel them, do this. So Luther is from that same generation. And it's be a man, don't worry about it, walk it off, it's in the past. So, like, I'm not defending him, but, like, that's that culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it would probably be incredibly hard for, you know, these boys to talk about it, you know? Yeah. So not a lot is, is known about them after, like... 99 is when one of my last kind of sources came out. Uh, As far as we can tell, uh, Herman went to college and wanted to become or did become a minister. He became a minister. Yeah. 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 And then the brother was going to be a senior in high school at the time. They said he was interested in auto mechanics. So that's good. Marie Dutton, their mom had remarried and they actually have a relation, somewhat of a relationship with her is what it said. So hopefully my hope for them is that they were able to become well-adjusted 
empathetic adults. And from everything that I saw, they have. And I just want to point out, these boys never did anything bad ever again. Like, there's no, you know, like... I mean, well, this doesn't sound like it's, you know, the beginning of a crime spree. This sounds exa- like, like they the had hideous no- finale of, you know, traumatic childhood. I just remember being, because I would, like I said, I was 10 and this was all over the local news. It was in my home because my dad would talk about it. And like, I just, I can't imagine their fear that they lived with every day for that the abuse to be so bad that they're like their only way out. And I mean, they did what daddy said. He said, Mm -hmm. don't let anybody touch sissy. So they said, okay, peace. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, there's very little exceptions for when like it's you know murder is never the way out except for very 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 few times like they lived in a trailer that looked like swiss cheese with bullet holes i I understand completely where they were and no one was helping them exactly no one would do anything so and they were just kids yeah you were just a few years younger than them when yeah happening yeah well, and then I remember one of the podcasts, they're like saying, why are these kids driving? Okay, no, y'all, you don't understand farm boys. We learned to drive tractors the second we can walk. So that was <laughs> the one thing I was like, oh, this is a cultural thing that of course they were the sober driver driving their daddy around. Everybody's like, he's driving at 15. Yeah, babe, he's been driving since he was four. John Deere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's fascinating, though. Like, I can't imagine the older brother like having to learn how to not have to take care of his siblings like he didn't get to have to be a young man you know like it's funny because i hadn't thought about i hadn't thought about this case for a long time until um yesterday caitlin and i were talking and i was like telling her about some other stuff that happened in my hometown and then i was like oh my god there's that one case and then i like sent her some stuff about it and kind of came together really quickly but um Mm -hmm. yeah it's like parts of that kind of shaped who I was growing up because I'm like okay Randall as hard as you have it being this little gay boy in this shitty ass town it's not this bad yeah and it just I mean I had never heard of this before so thank you for yeah I'm just yeah I I did find that the older the older brother is a minister and very active in his church and looks like he has a beautiful wonderful happy family also he's very handsome so um good job Dutton boys like from a little chickasha boy that heard about your case. You, if you ever listen to this, just know that like you're seen, you're supported, and we're proud of you. Yes, yes, absolutely. Bone combs for everyone. Bone combs <laughs> for everyone. Like I think I would, I would spot that as a happy ending. Like that's that's wonderful for him. Yeah, yeah, everything got, that that I can see, like they're happy and thriving. So they got their lives back. Yes. All right. Well, we should probably take a ad break. Um, <gasps> Casper mattress SoundCloud. <laughs> what are we doing? Hello actually, Fresh? well, actually, this week we're sponsored by Toby's Bone Combs. Oh, Toby's Bone Combs, the most comb for your bone. Boy, you're chode. <laughs> <laughs> See you in a moment. <laughs> a bonement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm Shelby, host of Addicted to Crime podcast. Join us for deep, chilling dives into the evil nature of criminals, and let's take a closer look at their early life and background to see how they got to the day of the crime. This podcast was created in hopes you pay closer attention to your surroundings and hopefully stay safe. 
You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts or else on the website www.addictedtocrime.org. Happy listening. Thanks for your time and stay safe. And for the price of just $19.99, you can get a beautiful set of two bone combs handmade by Toby, the Viking. Yes, I use mine on my um, pubes and my beard. (laughs) (laughs) These bone combs can comb anything you can bone. Including grass. (laughs) Hey, boneheads, future Sophie here. I'm just popping in to offer a trigger warning for Randall's story. There is going to be discussion of suicide. If that's something that you don't feel comfortable listening to, please come and join us next week. And we love you so much. And please take care of yourself. I would also like to note that we have changed the victim's name in this story, which will become pretty apparent for you. But we just wanted to make sure that we were giving him respect in this story. Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. And I will see you at the end. Goodbye. Well, now that we've fulfilled our financial obligations, Randall, would you like to tell us your bony tale? Well, it's not so much a bony tale as a flannel and hair tale, but yes, I will tell it. Um, So (laughs) years ago, my husband and I, uh, before we bought our house, you know, we're online looking at stuff. And this is the bottom of the housing market, by the way. Millennials cannot buy homes now. We have spent all of our money on avocado toast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's that's where it all went, not education and basic no, living expenses. <laughs> yeah. Medical bills. Yeah, oh, yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Mm, cancer. Yay. Um, so anyway, prior before all of that, my husband and I were... Um, going to buy a house and we're looking at real estate, this fabulous real estate agent. She has like all these listings that she's going to show us. And my husband is like, we have to look at this one house. I want to look at this house. And I'm like, bitch, let me see the pictures. So he shows me the pictures. It looks like hoarders live there, but not trash hoarders. Like there's like a living room with like four couches in it and like five televisions. Oh, interesting. Like, it's just full to the brim of stuff. And I'm looking at these pictures and I'm like, I don't want that house. Long story short, the the Asian is like, I didn't put it on my list. I haven't looked at it, but we can go by and look at it. It's fine. So we walk in, we walk through the front door. I look through this window that's from the front door and I'm like, I am home, bitch. This is my fucking house. I'm going to buy this house right now. Like, how oh, wow. much? I'm going to sign right here because the energy was just like home. Like I walked in and I'm like, I am home. This is going to be my house. So we buy it. And um, prior to buying it, we're doing the inspection and we're like walking through. And one thing that we got them to agree to when we bought the home was to refloor the house because it had original shag from 1967. Ooh. And you didn't want that? (laughs) No. Um, It smelled like dog pee and cigars. Um, Ooh. Yeah, the attic still smells like cigars on really hot days, like gross. And I've been here for a decade. Yeah. But um, so we're doing the inspection. We're walking through the dining room and they'd already pulled up the carpet. They didn't pull up the carpet to replace it. I find this out later. So there's this big square in the corner where the subfloor has been replaced. So like fresh wood on the subfloor and then everything else is just like, old floor with like a little bit of like tile residue like obviously it hasn't been scraped like there's stuff on it and i just think nothing of it because we're just doing a walkthrough with 
So by the time we move into the home, it's recarpeted. It's fine. Now, after we move in, there's this precious little gray cat named Steve who is hanging out in my yard all the time. And one day, Steve just walks in the house like he owns the place. And we have other cats. So I'm like, what the fuck? Steve don't care. Steve's like, this is my house. I live here. <laughs> Hi, my name is Steve. I am your new roommate. Yes. So I asked my neighbors, hey, do y'all know this great cat? And my neighbor's like, oh, yeah, that's my cat, Steve. And I'm like, oh, cool. He is in my house all the time. And they're like, well, we actually used to live there. And I'm like, oh, okay." He's like, yeah, we lived there for a year while my father-in-law was fixing up the house. And then we they then they rented the house next door, which was like bigger and had a mother-in-law. So like it's um, him, his wife, their daughter, and then um, her parents. And so Steve would not go home. So he never wanted to go home. And I'd asked around the neighborhood, you know, and then I so me and my neighbor had been talking and um, he's like, oh, yeah, they did this to the house. They did this to the house. And I'm like, well, I saw the pictures of all the couches, but uh, they did do a good job of fixing up the house. I'll give them that. I can't imagine what it looked like. However, the reason why I got such a killer deal on my home is because the previous owner and Sophie, you're going to bleep his name out of respect for the dead. Yes. Um, but the previous owner, uh, Randy, unalived himself in the dining room. Oh, my goodness. But we did not get told that he unalived himself in the dining room. We were told that it was a cardiac event. OK. And I'm at peace with that. I'm from Oklahoma. The whole state is built on top of indigenous burial grounds. Like my white ass is like, yeah, I want that house. Me and Randy. Chill. OK. <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't care. Flash forward to my neighbors moving and they come over and they're like, look, we're moving. Steve hasn't been home in years. Do you want him? And I'm like, yeah, that's my cat. So <laughs> yeah, I live in the cat's house. So yeah, like Steve, this was Steve's house. Like whenever yeah. a cat walks in and knows exactly where he's going, even though you have new furniture and new carpet and everything, the cat belongs to the house. Yeah, you don't really have too much of a choice there. (laughs) So my neighbor comes over, tell me they're moving. And I was like, hey, um, well, come in, give me the vet's information and stuff like that. So I have it. And at this point, he'd been in my house, like in the living room or whatever, but we hadn't been back through the house. So he comes back and he's like, yo, yo, in the dining room. He's like, that that's where they found him. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, the cardiac event in the dining room. And he goes, cardiac event? No, he unalived himself with a gun in the dining room. (gasps) Oh. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this poor, poor man. Yeah. I'm so sorry. So I was like, well, thank you for telling me that. He's like, yeah, we used to get weird vibes whenever we lived in this house. He's like, have you ever felt anything? And I was like, no. But like, I mean, I, I acknowledge that he may be here. Oh, my daughter and my niece used to play with him. <laughs> Whoa. So my sister used to watch uh, my daughter and her daughter. They're four weeks apart while my husband and I worked and the back part of the house near the dining room was a big playroom and the girls always hung out in the dining room. And so my sister's like, yeah, they talk about how they play with the man. And we never said anything to my daughter or my niece about the man, right? Nothing. So one day my sister calls me while I'm at work and she's like, Hey, Amelia's really upset. Maddie's upset. And I need you to tell Amelia that it's okay for the man to come out of the garage. Oh, they're like two and two or three. Right. So I, and she puts Amelia on the phone. I was like, Amelia, what's wrong? And she's like, the man scared Maddie. So I told him to go to the garage. OK, so I had to tell my three year old daughter who doesn't remember this at all that to tell the man that it's OK to come out of the garage. Now, we don't actually have a garage. It's just like a storage room. 
Okay. <laughs> but like, we called it the garage, you know, because it's at the end of the house. But um, anyway, so she tells him to come out. It's fine. Uh, a couple weeks after that, my friend Natalie's watching my daughter for a date night and my daughter's keyboard just starts playing by itself out of nowhere. Um, so that's another instance. But my house is always everybody's like, oh, my God, your house is so warm. Your house is so welcoming. And people always end up hanging out in the dining room. Um, that's actually my husband's office now. So <laughs> wow. my desk, my desk used to be right above where his body was found. But the funnest part of this story that Caitlin is probably just itching for me to get to is the day that I found Randy. What? So my daughter years later about the stories and everything. And I know from my neighbor, you know what happened. And um, the, the girls wrecked the carpet in the dining room. First of all, why did they put carpet in the dining room? Well, we know why, because it was the floor to, was fucked up. It was to hide some stuff on the floor. Oh my so God. I decided to replace the carpet with some nice laminate hardwoods. <gasps> and so I take up the old nasty carpet. I take up the old nasty carpet pad. And I'm like, okay, you know how whenever you take up carpet, there's like tacks or you might Mm -hmm. need to scrape off bits of the pad. So we know that they had to replace part of the subfloor from where his body expressed because unfortunately, Randy was here for a minute. For sure. For sure. So they picked him up off the floor, replaced the floor where his, I assume abdomen, I don't know, expressed. But what they didn't do is they didn't clean the floor around the subfloor where his body was. So I look down and I'm on my hands and knees working on the floor. And I'm like, is that carpet pad? Please let that be part of the carpet pad. No, it was bits of flannel shirt. Oh my God. And then the other things that I find are a couple of hairs. So I'm like, have this gut feeling that they did not do a good job cleaning up because there's also like this, just this weird stain. Oh, so I call my friend Katie. She's a contractor. And I was like, girl, I need you to come over and look at something. She's like, what do you need help with the floor? I'm like, don't insult me, bitch. I got this floor, but I need your expertise. So she comes over and she looks at it and she's like, I think that's decomp. And I'm like, girl, it's Randy. (laughs) So Katie's like, what do we do? I'm like, that's why you're here. What do I do? And she's like, "Okay, well, let's just scrape them up. (gasps) So we get paint scrapers and we scrape up the hair and the flannel shirt and whatever else off the floor. We sand down the floor where the stain was. And then I get a black magic marker and I write a letter to Randy. Thank you for watching over my house. Thank you for the good vibes, bitch. And then um, we needed to light a candle and pour some out for the homies. Uh, Obviously. As a a homosexual, my home should be full of candles, right? Yes. (laughs) The only fucking candle I could find on that particular day was a, you know, the Easter candy peeps. Oh, Lord. It was a peep-scented candle from the Yankee (laughs) Candle Co. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) I mean, but as a witch, I'll say a flame's a flame. Girl, and you know what? It smelled like butterscotch and old man's flannel shirt. So, like, sugary goodness. You know, he played... 
he played with your kids. He seemed like a sweet guy. He was a sweet guy, sweet old man that lived in this house all by himself. And oh. like, you know, like, so we, we lit the candle and then we decided to open a bottle of um Barefoot Moscato. Not sponsored, but if you want to sponsor me, hi. Um, <laughs> we poured some out for the homies. We burnt some sage and then we proceeded to put the floor down. And that is how I um, scraped my old, the band that owned my house off the floor. Wow. That was a tour de force. No bones about it. Ah. No. Oh my God. Yeah. There were no bones, but there might as fucking well have been. Girl, maybe I needed needed a bone comb to get that hair off the floor. (laughs) Exactly. You know, Toby's good old fashioned bone combs. Bone combs. Very affordable. Now available at Target. (laughs) <laughs> yes, God, I hope so. Toby's really doing well for himself now. Girl, and so is Randy. Because, like, I I mean, I, I can't wait to hear all the bleeps of this man's name. <laughs> I was thinking I might, like, just do a recording of, like, Randy. And, like, just yes. put it over every, Because like, that like, is my nickname. When I moved oh. to Seattle, I could no longer go by Randy because I was in high school during the Austin Powers movies. And every friend of mine was like, oh, do no. I make you Randy, baby? So when I moved to Seattle, like, my name's Randall. Never fucking yeah. call me that. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> it doesn't have to be Randy. Oh, no. Do you it's have Randy. a name? It's Randy now. So you guys, if you've been listening to this entire podcast, wondering why I'm telling this story, and he goes, Randy. Or like, I don't know, just something. John. <laughs> like <laughs> John. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't do that Sex in the City thing where they're like, oh, my God, his name's Mr. Big. And after six seasons, you find out his fucking name is John. <laughs> I know. I think you can get creative with it. So whatever you like. I like Randy. (laughs) Randy. Randy. But but that I find it very sweet that like you sent him off like, yeah, you found some like real ass shit under that floor. Let me tell you. Okay. So like we play this game called Cards Against Humanity. We all know it. We love Mm -hmm. it. We always deal out cards to Randy and the motherfucker wins every time. (laughs) He is savage as fuck. I mean, I think that's so sweet that like, you know, his ghost is like hanging. And like, I think it's because you sent him off. Right. You know, Well, I stopped feeling him after that happened. Like my house still feels warm and inviting, but like I haven't seen or felt him for a long time. I've seen him twice, but both times I was in an altered state, one because of NyQuil and one because of um, jazz cabbage. Mm. So <laughs> but, well, uh, your house is very warm and inviting. I will say that because I went over there yesterday to chill and drop off your microphone. <laughs> and I also got to smell the fucking candle, the essence. The actual, <gasps> we still have the actual candle because you can't burn it again after you do something like no. that. No, no, that's Randy's candle now. That's Randy's <laughs> candle now. <laughs> <laughs> Smells like Werther's original and Bible pages. I don't know. <laughs> it is a very like, it's a candy scent, but yeah, mm. it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's the essence of Randy. It's the essence of Randy. Oh, Durandy. Oh, Durandy. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. I can't wait to listen to this next week and just hear Randy. Yeah. <laughs> or you should get like Siri's voice. Randy. I can't do Siri. Randy. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
see if there's like voice generators online. Otherwise, I'll just clip myself doing it. Yeah, I think that'll be pretty funny. I can't wait to listen back to this because I don't think that I have an accent. And every time I hear my recorded voice, I'm like, well, history is from chicken. Say, I tell you what, stop <laughs> that trailer full of butterholes. <laughs> I mean, everyone's got an accent. I like in college, I like lived in Ireland for a couple of months and people told me I had the strongest California accent. And I don't think that I do, but you know, there you go. Like, also, whatever. It's like, whatever, you know. Oh my God. That's my white I, girl voice. <laughs> oh my God. Welcome back <laughs> to the podcast today. We're going to be talking about my last HOA meeting. I feel very attacked. Uh, she, she is a Karen. On my TikTok, there is a video of me being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can, is it all right if we post that TikTok that you made? About, about Randy. For the podcast about Randy. <laughs> yes. Um, my TikTok is at TikTok Rodell with four L's. <laughs> yes. Go, go a premium follow, I would say. Uh, my pod, my, my podcast, I don't have a podcast. <gasps> my TikTok is a mess and it's just to amuse myself. I don't know if I get TikTok famous, maybe Toby's Bone Combs will sponsor my TikTok. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That we can, one can only hope they're really hard to get. Yeah, oh, there I was a what. lot of like gold exchanged. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, Randall, we're we're winding down here, but I wanted to ask you because I love your answer. What are you going to do after you're done being a hairstylist? So, my ultimate career goal is that I want to be a mortuary cosmetologist. Cuz I wonderful. I'm I'm licensed for hair, skin and nails. I do primarily hair. I also do um gender affirming makeup lessons um the whole reason why i wanted to become a hairdresser in the first place is because i lost my mom to cancer when i was 10 and she was a southern woman so i'm telling you like the hair is done to go to walmart the hair is (laughs) done to go to church and i just i remember my mom like just going through cancer and not feeling pretty and helping her with her wigs and things like that. And my mom had a very long, drawn-out battle with cancer. And it, it was such a long battle that the last year and a half of her life, she did not look like my mother. She was confined to a bed. The cancer had gotten into her brain. It was a very long process. It was very painful. And so I remember after she passed away, and it was at the funeral. And, um, oh, my God, the, the Dutton thing happened the same year my mom passed away. That's crazy. Oh, wow. I just made that connection because I was 10. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I remember being at the funeral. And um, so my mom was not uh, cremated. She was embalmed in a casket. And uh, we walked by and we're doing the walk by. And I put like a, a flower and like a little cross bookmark from my Bible in there for her. And I looked down. and It was my mom. My mom looked like my mom again. Her cheeks were full. Her hair was done. She looked like she was just taking a nap. She had her little faux red Chanel suit on, like a little lapel pin. And I just, I, I don't, I haven't been to like many funerals since my mom passed just because it's, I don't like those environments. I'm more of a celebration of life kind of person, but it really gave me the closure that I needed to have that last view of her as her and not at what the cancer had done to her. So flash forward, I become a hairdresser. I do a lot of work with people with cancer, alopecia, trans clients, that sort of thing. 
But I'm like, what am I going to do when my body won't allow me to stand behind and tell dick jokes to people all day? Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, well, bitch, you're going to sit on a stool and you're going to paint grandma's nails. You're going to do grandma's hair. I would be a mortuary cosmetologist because I want to be able to give that moment of closure to somebody else. So when my body won't let me do hair anymore and or stand and you don't do all that, I will just be painting nails and doing makeup and trimming beards on those that have passed in hopes that I can give their families closure. So it's my ultimate career goal. I love it. That's so wonderful. I'm going to talk to them. Yeah. Oh, well, you've got to. There's a there's a great video uh, by Caitlin Doty. I love her. Yes, you've probably seen this video where she walks through um, yes. some uh, some. Uh, God, my brain is farting out. Um, what is it called? Uh, mortician cosmetology. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I just think that is wonderful because I kind of had almost an uh, opposite kind of experience. My grandma died when I was in college and I went back for the funeral and everything. And there was a really long viewing because like her side of the family, my mom's side is all like Catholic. So we like had to chill with my grandma's dead body for like 10 hours. And like looking at her, she, you know, she looked at as a doornail. It was yeah. like, and see, nothing I've heard, I hear both of these stories because I'm macabre as hell. Like when you lose a parent as a child, like you grow up kind of creepy. Okay. Yeah. Like, and um, so I talk in the salon. I am known for like, people will just tell me anything. I have that kind of spirit. And so people talk to me about like stuff. And I hear stories all the time about like, there was the wrong shade of eyeshadow. They put the wrong perfume on her. And it's like, why is somebody not sitting with them taking as much time as possible to ask those questions to make sure that like, my mama smelled like taboo. It's a hideous perfume from back in the day. <laughs> but if I smelled it today, I'd be like, that's my mom. So imagine like, you're a kid and you've gone through this long battle of your parent being medical stuff and like the smell that you associate with them now is rubbing alcohol and then you yeah. smell them again and you're like what the fuck is that smell like how hard is it while you're in the making arrangements what perfume did your spouse wear what what aftershave did your husband wear like just those little things just those little subtle things and i i, I want to be able to do that for somebody someday to like get back to them you would do yeah. that with such care and like that'd be yeah that would be exactly like that better. is the most profane mortuary cosmetologist he said fuck like 40 times but god <laughs> love him bless his heart <laughs> well i think it's that's so considerate and that's such like a death positive like way to look at things because i feel like just like in you know in living people like cosmetology and things like that are often like undervalued well, and I mean during covid whenever we got locked down people did not realize i had clients that were dysphoric because yeah. they could not get services and they're looking in the mirror and they're having thoughts of unaliving themselves because they don't like the ref the reflection because they can't get the services they need to be themselves to feel whole and i think during shelter in place a lot of people learn just how valuable your hairdressers your nail techs like all those mm -hmm. people are because we're counselors, we're your friend, we're your family, like we know, we know all these things. And it's like, it may be a haircut to me as I'm cutting it. But that might be the only time that that person goes out that week, that might be the only hug that they get. So like, that I always keep that in mind whenever I do hair. And it's like, yeah, we are, are essential employees. Okay, like, yeah, 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 I would agree with that 100%. And I think that should in turn extend through the like death industry, like you said, like creating that one last, you know, 
encounter with your loved one to be able to say goodbye in a in a wholehearted way. Well, and yeah. Toby turned his mom into a bone cone. It's true. And on the on the subject of of bones and bone combs, we were talking a little bit on the break, but maybe you've had some. T- probably not. You've you've been telling us of spinning us a wonderful yarn, but. Do you have a favorite bone or a bone you're feeling connected to these days? My favorite bone would have to be my chin bone because it has an yeah. ass in the middle of it. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't know if that's the bone or the muscle, but I have I have a cleft. I like my chin. I think I have a, a nice, strong chin. It's noble. And, and real feminine, <laughs> non-existent jaw bones. <laughs> well, I was going to say, your chin is definitely connected to your jaw bone, so... Yeah. Yeah. I love Is that the mandible? That's my favorite bone. Yeah, mandible. Mandible. Oh, man. Yeah, I was going to say you put the man in mandible. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast and for listening this whole time. It it means so much to me. And please, please have uh, me back. It's so fun to reconnect with you because you and I work together like five six years ago and yep. so it was just like so fun to hang out and i live like 10 minutes away from you so caitlin i do have to ask you one question yeah please this holiday season won't you place some toys in my box <laughs> <laughs> so i'll put that box on the floor and i will work to get toys in there <laughs> we got so many toys in that box we did toys for tots at the salon and we made these stupid ass videos that i put on my facebook and we got so many toys because of them and every time it shows up on my memories it's just yeah. caitlin like won't you fill my box we had to do so many fucking takes yes, on the floor <laughs> on the floor it was great. So yeah, Caitlin is like one of some of my favorite memories of working at oh that salon because she like vibes with my insanity. But one thing I will say before we go, I listened to another popular podcast about macabre shit and they had a guest host on one time and the dude was fucking terrible. So my <laughs> only hope is that one of your listeners isn't like, oh my God, don't ever let that fucking guy come back. <laughs> Hell no. I'll kill that fucker. They're going to be like, but he brought us Randy's replace subfloor. <laughs> the tale of Randy really spoke to my heart, and I think I think people are gonna love it. Like a great mix of uh, genuine and horny, <laughs> <laughs> thirsty. <laughs> well, this has been so wonderful and special, and our box runneth over with bones, having had you here. <laughs> Thank you. It was an honor to feel your box. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We're going to send it off with a bone voyage on one, two, three. Bone. Voyage. Voyage. Chaos. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Anything Bones. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at anything bones podcast or email us at anything bones podcast at gmail.com thank you to nick kruger for our spooky music and steven vetteroff at chubby scrubby on twitter for our jazzy vocals and thank you to camilla franklin at camilla strader on instagram for our beautiful bony artwork please rate review and subscribe well narcissist yeah, maybe- insanity lawyers it has it has everything anyway <laughs>
I mean, you'll come on multiple times, right? This is the first of many. <laughs> oh, if you guys have me back, I would love to. I, it's been my dream to be the disen, disenchanted, disembodied co-host of a podcast where I have no schedule and I just float in like gonorrhea and leave just as quickly. <laughs> And you're becoming more resistant to antibiotics. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>